0: The journey and its adventures, the journey and its adventures, and I see all of you wa- uh, waving. I'm sorry. I can't control the air conditioner system. I can kill the airman that put a new one in Thursday, but besides that, we're good. Um, so, wave away. I just promise you it's hotter up here than it is where you're at. So, the journey and its adventures, and, and this, this will be the last installment. I believe this is week nine that we've been talking about this, and I, I had journaled this quote right here, knowing God is the main storyline of the journey and is the greatest of adventures. Knowing God is the main storyline of the journey and is the greatest of adventures. And so the idea behind knowing God and how do we get to know God, and we, we've looked at all different sorts of ways in the adventure of knowing God. For far too long, the church has portrayed a boring God. And for any of you who have walked with God for any length of time and really honed in and pressed in on your relationship with God, you would say it's not boring at all. It's actually fun. Yeah. So, so journey and, and its greatest adventures. And so last week we looked at the journey and adventure of prayer. Prayer. You know, we talk about prayer. We read about prayer. Well, we asked the question last week, who's really praying? And I made this statement. I had a friend of mine that was going through a rough time in in a certain area of his life. And he called me one day. He was having his devotion. And he, he was reading his Bible. And he said, Hey, I just want to call you and tell you I prayed for you this morning. And then he said these words. Who's actually praying? Who's actually praying? And I was like, Man, that's a great question. And so prayer is a journey, but there's much adventure to be found in prayer. So last week we looked at the Lord's Prayer. Now watch this. This, this is all stuff in my garage. Because I created a gym in my garage, right? And um, the, yeah, any of you work out at Trinity? Anybody? Okay, yeah. Okay, cult members. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a bit of a drive for me. And so the cult members were gracious enough to build a torture box. And then give me the. And then we went and bought like my whole gym is like my garage is set up like a gym. And so you have a wall ball, right? And so this is a squat. You you do a squat and you pick a spot and you throw the ball up. Shut up. And then you can do push presses with these. And then this is the hell bell. It's actually a kettlebell. Every time I use it, okay. And then you jump on this box, and you jump on this box, you jump on it. It's so stupid. <laughs> and then you have jump rope, gets the cardio right going. And then you got a mat where you can do the sit-ups or whatever. And so here's the idea. This stuff is in my garage. And every day I have the opportunity to go out and use this stuff. <laughs> some days I do. Some days I don't. But the tool, the method, the vehicle is there for longevity of life. When I don't do it, I don't leave via the garage. I go out the front door. Because <laughs> I don't want to see that stuff. Because I know. I know that I should be doing that. And so, and so but, but all the tools are there to do what needs to be done for my body. And I wonder how often we take Prayer. This vehicle to connect with God, this tool to connect with God, we take this amazing tool that God's given us called prayer, and we just say, "I don't want to look at that," because prayer is hard work, right? Prayer it takes it takes time to pray, pray, and that's our greatest resource. It takes effort. It takes getting up earlier, maybe, or staying up later. Prayer is hard work. And here's what I've learned about prayer in my own life: when I When I don't pray for a few days, it makes me not want to pray the next day. Does that make sense? So when I'm not connecting with God on a daily basis, then I just kind of like, you know what? I'm not going to go through the garage. I'm not going to look at that stuff. Because when I look at that stuff, I know I should have been out here sweating this morning. And so I don't have to do it tomorrow because I'm sweating my butt off right now. (laughs) It's hot in here. Yeah. So, so, so the idea behind the vehicle of prayer and, and the, the greatest, greatest connectivity that God has given us besides the Word of God, the Bible, to connect with Him is prayer, and it's the most less used. And so we looked at the Lord's Prayer last week, and so we'll jump in right here, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Now, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't know how to pray. No one's ever taught me how to pray And and maybe you feel a little inadequate to pray And maybe you would not publicly say it But to yourself you'd say I don't know how to pray You are in good company Because the disciples Who spread the New Testament church To the known world at that time Asked that question Is it Jesus? How should we pray? These are the disciples This makes me feel good Right? I mean, this is, this is like, hey, Lord, how should we pray? And this is Jesus' answer to the question that they ask, how should we pray? This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this, this is not a, a prayer that we do that would just be a ritual. Because if prayer was this easy, then we would all be rock stars in prayer, right? Sixty-six words, say them like that, and I'm done for the day. Done. But we all know it doesn't work that way. This is a formula. This is a, this, Jesus is, is saying so much in this prayer of who God is and how to connect to God. And, and so he, he's trying to help the disciples out. So let's go. So we looked at the first part last week. We'll look at the second part today, Matthew six twelve, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That word debt right there is not necessarily what we would foresee in our time frame here as owing someone something. It, it, it's more in the reference, God, would you forgive me of my sin? So if you're here today, and you'd say, like, you're saying that Christians sin? <laughs> yes. We're all, the Bible says we're all sinners, and we fall short of the glory of God, and that's why every day of our life, we should come before God and say, God, I need." that's why Jesus was telling the disciples, I need you to forgive me of this. I need to start this day with a fresh slate. I need to wipe it clean, and I need to recognize in your eyes, Lord, that I am a human being that's imperfect. However, you are a perfect God, and so I'm going to come to you today because your grace and mercy are new every day, and I'm going to receive that today. Look at, look at this next scripture right here, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will give us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sins, and this is not like to some person, unless you have an accountability partner that holds you accountable in a certain area of your life that you really trust, you can talk to that person about that area and how you may failed in that area that week. But this is between you and God. And, and I don't know how, how you guys, some of you were raised, but the Bible says that you have a high priest that's not separate from you, meaning Jesus, that was in all points tempted, yet lived without sin. So in other words, he understands what you go through. He understands that. And then the Bible says when he was crucified, the veil was ripped. It was torn, which represented us having full access to the God who created everything. You do not need another person to talk to God for you. Yay is right. Yay. Woo-hoo. The Bible plainly states that and we've said here that we believe the Bible. We're not going to argue that that part. And so you don't need someone else to go to God on your behalf. Now, you can pray for other people, but when you get down to the, the, the root of confessing, you're, you're just talking to God. God, I promised I wouldn't do that. I promised I wouldn't get angry again. I promised I wouldn't go to that website. Lord, I know you're working in my heart. And I'm just going to tell you right now, God, I failed. And he already knows you failed because he's God and he knows everything. But what happens is when I come before the Lord and say, God, forgive me. I'm recognizing my inability to do what I know I should do, but my flesh gets in the way. And so now I'm coming before God, and I come out of that prayer time, and this is Jesus talking to the disciples. I come out of that prayer time feeling a, a little lighter. If we confess our sins, look at Ephesians, right? I think it's Ephesians 1, seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. God's grace is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's grace. The gift of Jesus Christ to humanity, God's only son, it exemplifies and encapsulates God's grace. That's where we find grace. We find grace at the cross. We find grace in what Jesus Christ did for us. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So the idea is, is just recognizing in our own life that, yes, we do fail and we do sin, but, God, I'm going to talk to you about that today. Remember, we, if you don't feel like praying Talk to God about it. Yeah, but before you know it, you're going to be praying. And that's all praying is. Because we're taught that you got to do the these and the thous and the thines and the those. How weird would it be if you went in Starbucks and said, Thy, I will have thee, multi caffeine cappuccino thou? so stupid. Like, how stupid would that be? The person behind the counter, you know, uh, the, the little girl that's working back there that's all hopped up on Starbucks, and they, they all are. They're just like, <laughs> I mean, I get nervous just going in there. <laughs> it reminds me of drug days or something where you just look at her because they're just like, ah! <laughs> it's so true. But, but that's not how God wants to relate to us the way that we really are. So when I'm driving to work, I can just talk. to God, I don't feel like praying today. I really do not feel like praying today. I don't even feel like talking to you today. Because let me tell you why. Because this, that, the other. And before you know it, you just got through praying. Because praying is just talking to God. And so Jesus gives the disciples this formula. Let's keep going, Kim. Number two, help me to forgive others. This is where it gets tough for a second. Matthew... Chapter 6 verse 12 And forgive us our debts As we forgive our debtors And so that that word right there Is not necessarily in monetary form It's it's in sins God forgive me of where I fall short And help me to forgive others Where they've fallen short on my behalf Let's look at this next verse Ephesians 4.32 Be kind and compassionate to one another Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you This is really hard this is extremely hard. And this is where the journey takes some adventure on. Because I love to ask God to forgive me. Because I know I'm an idiot a lot of days. And I mess up really bad. I love it. God, thank you for your grace that I find in Christ. Thank you, God, that your grace and mercies are new every day. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. But then when I turn that, and I, I read this, and I turn it to a place of, wow. Does this mean I really have to forgive? I I get forgiveness, but does this mean that I have to forgive other people? So God forgive me and keep going right here, Kim. So I've got to forgive other people at this point. I mean, it's hot, isn't it? <laughs> I will not see you for two days. <laughs> Listen, just because you forgive someone doesn't make what they did right. It makes you right. Just because you forgive someone, you know, I don't know how bad people have hurt you. I don't know how you've been stabbed in the back. I don't know how people have abandoned you or walked out on you. I don't, I don't know all of you. But, but I do know this. When you forgive someone, it doesn't make what they did right. It makes you right. And, and you can walk on with your life knowing, you know what? Those people really hurt me, but I'm good. Now watch this, this is, a, this is a deal breaker right here This is a deal breaker For if you forgive other people when they sin against you Your heavenly father will also forgive you But if you do not forgive others their sins Your father will not forgive your sins Dang I mean that's the bible That's full on, like that's not me talking that, Isn't that hard? Isn't it extremely hard? Because don't we all have people in our life that have let us down and hurt us really bad? Maybe a mom, a dad, a sibling, maybe a child, maybe a business partner. And now my Bible is telling me that God's grace is sufficient, but I have to forgive others. And if I don't forgive others around me that have done me wrong, how can I expect to be forgiven? Because American culture teaches us we deserve everything, correct? Correct. You know, if you play on a soccer team and the coach is not playing you, then mom or dad just says, well, just quit because you deserve to be playing. Seriously. That coach don't know good talent when he sees it. Your mama lied to you. <laughs> just like she did when she told you you could sing. <laughs> no, but we, we absolutely live in a culture that says, hey, You deserve what you want, and if you don't get what you want, then, like, you deserve this. And the fact of the matter is, is we don't like to forgive people who have hurt us. It's not human nature. But Jesus is saying right here, listen, you got to forgive those who have hurt you. And if you don't, there's consequences. So maybe this week you need to write a letter, send an email, make a phone call, or just get along with God. Say, God, I've been harboring this hurt in my heart. Just between you and God, I need to forgive this person. Because forgiveness happens in the heart. Even this week, I had a conversation with someone that I know very well that hurt me really bad. And I was mad. And I would never been mad at this person. I know none of you get mad. I know that. I wasn't angry. I was mad. Right? (laughs) Two totally different things, right? Yeah, because when Raina gets upset with me, it's mad, not angry. When I get upset with her... It's angry, not mad. But it wasn't right now. But anyway, so it wasn't. I'm serious. It it wasn't right now. I'm dead serious. I swear. And so I went to this person and I said, look, I've been mad at you all week. And I need to forgive you. And I need you to forgive me for being mad. And when I had that transaction with this person, I wasn't mad anymore. Right? Let's put our big boy pants on. And let's just call it what it is. And I'm going to tell you, I forgive you, and I'm going to move on with my life. And that's what Matthew 6, 14, and 15 is teaching us right here. Next thing. Help me with temptation. First part of Matthew 6, 13. And do not lead us into temptation. I love this because every day of our life, we have the opportunity to be tempted. Right? 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 If you ever take a personal defense course, the first thing they tell you if someone is trying to attack you is to create a barrier between you and that person immediately. Push, Get them as far away as you can. That's the way we need to view temptation. Because we know we're going to be tempted because we're flesh. And we go a few days without this book and a few days without praying, and we go a few more and a few more. And then remember what you feed the longest becomes the strongest. So if I'm feeding my spirit, man, every day, it's strong. And when temptation tries to creep in, bam, my spirit rises up. Like, I know I shouldn't do that. But when I'm feeding my flesh more than I'm feeding my spirit, man, my flesh is drawn to that temptation. So in other words, every day, Jesus is telling the disciples, pray that you're not led into temptation. In other words, pray that temptation is out there, and we know we're going to be tempted but it's an obscure idea outside of my everyday life. And so I'm going to, through prayer and reading the Bible and through accountability with godly people in my life, I'm going to create a barrier between me and temptation. So when, I, when I'm tempted to do things that I shouldn't do, my spirit man rises up and pushes that back. Does that make sense? So, so let, let's look at this. And, and this is our out right here on temptation. Let's look at this next verse, Kim. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted and beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So, stop whining. Just Quit whining. Oh, you just don't know how bad I struggle with this. And you just don't understand. I can't get over this. And you just don't understand. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Other people, believe it or not, sir, ma'am, other people are going through the same thing you're going through. I know. It's rough to understand. And I know you think you're the only one. But you're not. We have a room full of people here that deal with temptation every day. And so I'm starting my day out by saying, God... Don't lead me into that area. Don't lead me into that problematic area where I know that I'm going to get in trouble. Some people in this room may struggle with going to certain websites on a computer. You don't need to be on the computer by yourself. Some of you struggle with, some of us may struggle with addiction. You, you don't even know, you need to go in Walgreens. <laughs> Just stay away. Some of us may struggle with anger. If you struggle with anger, do not drive on A1A while the snowbirds are here. Because it's coming out. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Here's the thing about temptation I choose to enter into temptation. God tests us. He does not tempt us. Our flesh and the enemy tempt us. And so I make a decision if I see something like the apple. Eve's looking at the apple. And she knows she's not supposed to eat that apple. But she steps in and starts listening to how good the apple's going to be and what the apple's going to do for her. And she eats the apple. Thus, humanity falls. And so, so the idea is... I get to choose if I'm going to, yes, I'm going to be tempted, but am I going to enter into that temptation? Because when I enter into that temptation, I start looking around going, man, this is awesome. This is very gratifying to my flesh. This feels good. This is amazing. And then when I fall for the umpteenth time to that temptation, I enter out of that temptation, and I feel like crap. Because I know that I know that I know that I wasn't supposed to do that. And so here's the idea. Jesus... And his word says I'm gonna, I will provide a way for you out So that you can endure that temptation Because you're, Jason you're not that special And you're not being tempted in any other way that Any other form of humanity has, has not been tempted And so I'm going to provide a way out And that way out Is the fact that I Have been in the word And I've been praying And I have temptations at bay in my life Good Next thing You guys hot? God bless America. Well, it's the 4th of July. It's like the 4th of July up here. Protect me, Father, Matthew 6, 13, the second part, but deliver us from the evil one. So I'm getting a formula here of saying, you know what? I need to pray every day that God's protection. If you have kids, you need to be praying for them. Before you check your phone in the morning, you should have already prayed for your kids. You, you need to be asking God every day because you know what? They're growing up in a gnarly world. I mean, we have a hard enough time navigating ourselves, and we're adults. You, you need to pray for them every day. He said, Well, you know, I never heard my dad pray, never heard my mom pray. It doesn't matter. Pray God's protection, but deliver us from the evil one. God, protect us from evil today. Protect us from things, the, the plan of the enemy, in, in reference to our everyday life. Protect me. You look at this, this next passage, it's Psalms 91, 1-4, through 4. It's, it's interesting that it's nine one one. one one And by the way, after 9-11, the entire group of Congress were standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and they weren't praying to Buddha, and they weren't praying to Muhammad, and they weren't praying to whoever else people pray to. They all together with one voice read the scripture. Amen. And you know why? Because when we realize that our silicone life has been ripped away, we, we realize where our help actually comes from. There's never a time in American history that the church had been more full than the Sunday after 9-11. Why? Because all of a sudden we realize... I'm not all that, I guess. Right? Like we started wondering, like, and, and life questions started coming in, and we're like, oh. So, so Psalms 91, 1 through 4, "'Whoever dwells in the shelter, shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. "'I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. "'Surely He will save you from the foul snare and from the deadly pestilence. "'He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wing you will find refuge.'" His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Tell you what man, you need to write that down, put it in your phone, and the next time you're really really going through a rough time, read that. Speak it, read it out loud. Whoever dwells, I love that dwells. In other words, whoever is abiding, whoever is under the wing. And then that that beautiful the beautiful analogy of feathers, like a, a mother bird with the feathers over, you know, over the the, the What do you call little birds? Little birds. (laughs) Chicklets. That's a candy. Chicks. Surely he will save you from the foul snare. He will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield. So every day I'm praying, Lord, would you protect me today? Lord, would you watch over me today? God, would you, would you actually just above all and everything else protect my family, protect my kids, protect my marriage, protect my finance, protect God? And this is Jesus talking to the disciples saying, this is, you ask the question, this is how you pray. And again, it's not just a, a verbatim prayer. It's, it's a formula. It's an outline for prayer every day of our life. Every day of our life. Last thing, God, help me realize your greatness. The second part of verse 13, chapter 6, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That word right there, amen, means so be it. It's done. Let it be said, let it be written, let it be done. Amen. And so Jesus is putting an exclamation point on the end of this prayer saying, I just told you how to pray, and at the end of it, it's done. It's done And so when I spend time with God And I read his word And I follow this formula with prayer I wind up at the end of this prayer Where it says for yours is the kingdom And the power and the glory forever In other words God Before I start my day Or before I go to bed tonight I am reminded of your greatness Because we're we're all important right We're so important And sometimes we get too big for our britches As my grandma used to say boy, you better put some bigger britches on because you're getting too big for those. She spanked me all the time. And I know nobody does that anymore, but don't tell her that. <laughs> As I turned 43 last week and I, I went back to see her on 4th of July and she would have still spanked me. Isn't that true? Oh, in a heartbeat. Boy, you better, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> you, when you, you get into that zone... Of thinking that you're so important and so busy That you don't have time to spend with God And here we have this avenue of prayer We have the garage of prayer That we know is good for us And we know that we need to be doing But yet we go out the front door Instead of going through the garage Because we don't want to look at that stuff Because we didn't use it today And and so now I'm, I'm an anemic Christian Because I'm not praying But when I do I realize how awesome God is and how much he's blessed my life and how fortunate I am to have felt, uh, healthy family members and how fortunate I am to have food every night. His greatness provides that. Every, and what Jesus is saying right here is don't forget everything you see, touch on this earth belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. Well, you don't know how hard I work for that. Well, who gave you the health to work? well, you don't know how many hours I spent doing this or that. Well, who gave you a mind to do that? Because if we're really going to buy into the Bible, which we've said we, we have, then you've got to at some point assess, how, how am I able to do what I'm able to do? And that's through God. So, I went back to Job, and I, I want to read this to you. And then we're, we're going to leave before someone faints. Mainly me. So, So here is an unbelievable, like, a snippet of God's greatness. Now, you remember Job? Whole family died. He starts whining and complaining. His friends are telling him to to just die. His wife, this is a good marriage counseling tip, his wife comes and says, Why don't you just curse God and die? I was kidding about the marriage counseling tip. (laughs) Yeah, his whole wife said, Why don't you curse God and die? And so Job, he starts whining. And if anybody had the right to whine, it was Job. If anybody throughout the Bible, I mean, I mean like you read the story of Job and you're like, dude, I'm so sorry. I feel bad for you right now. So he's, he gets to the point towards the end of the chapter. And so now he's bought into his friend's theology and his wife's and he starts whining. This is, and so God, God just shows up and says, brace yourself. I will question you and you will answer. Game on. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you're just whining to God out by the pool one day, you know, just hanging out, and all of a sudden God just brace yourself. I'm about to ask Jason, I'm about to question you and you will answer. You're right. That that's the right answer, right? Just immediately you're right. But this is what he says, and this just gives you a snippet into when I your kingdom and power and glory forever, Amen. We, we just forget God's greatness many days of our life. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? God's being sarcastic here, by the way. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me, if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in places. When I said, This far you may come and no farther here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal, its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light. And their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked to the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light and where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the path to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born, you have lived so many years. You feel like you're reading Lord of the Rings right here, right? It's just like caverns of stuff it's awesome. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hell? Which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? You can read that fifty times this week, and it will not it won't disappoint. It's, it's amazing. Like it, this, is, this is the God that we have an opportunity to connect with every day of our life through a vehicle called prayer. Wow. Let's not forget his greatness. So great. He loved us so much. He gave us his only son. And this last scripture we'll look at today, Colossians 2.15, And having disarmed the powers and authority. He made a public public spectacle over them, triumphing by the cross. So the greatness of God is found in the mystery of God. It's the the journey. It's the main storyline of the journey. And it's the greatest of adventures. And one of those ways that we know God is through prayer. And at the end of that prayer, when Jesus got through talking to the disciples, He said, look, He's great. He's great. Amen. I'm paraphrasing. He's great. Amen. And so great that he gave us his only son who lived a sinless life, took our death and sin on the cross. They placed him in a grave. He rose from that grave on the third day. And the Bible says he's going to come back for us one day. That's faith. Salvation's a faith issue. Nobody can make that decision for you. That's between you and God. Nobody can sprinkle you. Nobody can do whatever that anybody does salvation is you connecting with God from your heart saying I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah I believe that he, he was born of a virgin I believe he lived a sinless life I believe he took my death and sin on the cross I believe he placed him in a grave and I believe he rose from that grave on the third day maybe you're here today and you, you've never actually stopped long enough in a setting like this to say you know what I don't know that I've ever in my own heart Confessed to God That I believe in Jesus Salvation is not complicated Don't confuse salvation With the spiritual journey That God may have you on right now Salvation starts the spiritual journey Simply putting your faith Which the Bible says we've all been given a measure of faith And we get to decide what to do with it Putting your faith in Jesus Christ Will you bow your heads all over this place maybe you're here today and you're like several of those people in the first service and you say you know what I've never done that I've never put my faith in Jesus but I feel him knocking on the door of my heart right now if that's you and you say you know what I need a fresh start I need a starting point throw your hand up long enough for me to see it and put it right back down I'm to pray with you I see your hand anyone else I need to know Jesus Christ is my prayer I, I need a starting point I need a fresh start. Some things in my life that aren't going good right now. And I feel the Lord knocking on the door of my heart. Anyone else? Awesome. I see your hand. Thanks. Look, if you, if you raise your hand, pray with me real quick. And just by virtue of you raising your hand, you and God are already doing business. And you're confessing in your heart um, publicly that you believe that. And after we pray, would you go out to the tent and get a Bible and a devotion? If you're shy and you really don't want to talk to anybody, you can go to startingpoint at thecoastlinechurch.com. Email us and a pastor will email you back. But if you, if you raise your hand, pray this prayer with me. God, thank you for loving me. Father, thank you for chasing me. Thank you that I'm in the seat today. And that you love me enough that you gave your only son. And I'm confessing in my heart right now, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the true son of God, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life. He took my death and sin on the cross, that he was placed in a grave, and I believe that he rose from that grave on the third day. And right now, in this very moment, I'm committing my life to him. Help me on this new journey, God. Help me. Put people around me. Help me to get involved in a life group and uh, get some accountability in my life to encourage me on this journey. And I, I thank you for that, God, and I know this is real. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you.